we're going to jump right in because uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of, of important practical information. And, and I really, truly feel that this is going to be impactful for somebody because of the amount of trouble that I had putting this together this week. Um, it was terrible. Normally, you know, the Lord, he's, he's gifted me with the ability to normally be able to put something like this together. This week, it was terrible. It took me days to do what I'm going to share with you in the next 30 minutes. So hopefully, you know, Lord willing, he's able to, to speak through this. But we're, uh, let's, let's open up in prayer. Father God, Lord, we are prepared. We have a direction that we feel that you have set for us. But God, you are in control. This is your house, your people, your word. And, and we are here to experience you and you alone. Nothing that, that, certainly nothing that I've prepared, God. But we want to hear from you this morning. And so that's our prayer. Amen. All right, so four weeks ago, Pastor began this series called Choose Life. And what I love about Pastor's messages and, and about this one in particular is how applicable they are to daily life. Because growing up, I grew up in a church where, and don't get me wrong, it's the most important decision you're ever going to make is to get saved and repent and turn your life over to the Lord. But every single Sunday, the message was, get saved, repent. And we never really talked about what you're supposed to do after you got saved and repented. I mean, do we just sit around, sit back in our spiritual lazy boy waiting for the Lord to call us up? Of course not. There is a lot of life left to be living with our time here on earth. And so what I love about Liberty and Pastor Keith is that he equips us. He trains us. He tells us. He takes what the Word says, translate that so like someone that I can understand it, and so we can take it out into our daily lives and apply it with the goal of being more like Jesus and a little bit less like ourselves. So choose life was the message. And um, I kind of want to preface it just a little bit because um, I feel like when the as I was preparing for this, the Lord kind of reminded me of, of two things. Is, um, one, it can be tempting. You know, it's, it's easy to say, well, when you have a difficult circumstance, choose, choose peace over panic or choose faith over fear. That's easy to say. It is. But when you're in the situation of panic or fear, sometimes that can be difficult to walk out. And so we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about choosing wisdom over worry and what is some practical steps we can take to do that. And so as we're going through the steps, you may not always understand how it works. And so I have a little demonstration that um, maybe can kind of convey my point. When, when something around our house breaks, um, as it sometimes does, my, my wife, who um, you know, likes to keep things running and runs a tight ship, She'll come to me and say, sweetheart, I know that you are so capable and so mechanically inclined. Will you please fix whatever it is? No, that, that's not what happens at all. She's shaking her head. I'm the least mechanically inclined person you may ever meet in your entire life. Um, our ice maker that I broke still doesn't work. We're not, we don't have time for all that. Um, she said, tell him how you broke it. That's... That, that's another Sunday. No. <laughs> um, where was I going with this? So 
um, when things are broken and need repaired, so for example, a few weeks ago, our leaf blower, it went down. We've got a long driveway, a lot of yard, a lot of trees, a lot of leaves. We need a leaf blower, guys. Our, our yard, this looks terrible. So I did what any uh, 38-year-old male these days I feel would probably do in that situation. Got on YouTube, I typed in my leaf blower don't work, <laughs> and I just saw what popped up. Hey, sure enough, there was a library of videos on what to do if your leaf blower won't crank. So naturally, I, I find the shortest video, you know, and I, I, I watch about half of it. You know, enough to where they've told me how to take it apart, right? Because if you can take something apart, you can you just do it in reverse to put it back together. Easy enough, right? It's also about that time that ad kicks in, that little commercial. And so who's got time for those, right? I couldn't skip it. I'm like, all right, I got this. Needless to say, couldn't fix it. Had to come back, watch the video in its entirety like I should have done. Fast forward to the end. My leaf blower works. I was able to take care of all the leaves, catastrophe avoided, right? But here's my point. As I was going through this video and I was listening to this guy explain all this stuff, I didn't have to understand how the suction works that pulls the fuel from the reservoir to the carburetor and how the carburetor sprays fuel into the engine and how the combustion in the engine creates power that powers the turbine. I don't even know if that's the right order in which these things happen. I don't know anything at all about how it works. All I know is that before, I had a paperweight for a leaf blower. But Friday afternoon, I came home and I blew about a million and one leaves out of my yard with that leaf blower that once was dead and could not perform the function for which it was created is now alive and well and performing at peak performance. Hey, and I don't know why. I don't know all the little reasons why. I couldn't explain it to you. All I know is I followed the instructions that were given to me, and the evidence is enough for me. I say all that to say this. This is not an easy message. Choosing peace over panic, choosing faith over fear, choosing wisdom over worry. It's not easy. If it was easy, we wouldn't need to talk about it because you'd already be doing it. It's tough, especially in this world that is so concentrated with fear and worry and everything that's wrong. You know, you, you, you have to come here to get a little bit of truth in your life because it, it's nowhere else. So I say all that to say this. This message today, take it in with an open mind, with an open heart. Follow along with the notes. Take it home. Pray over it. Chew on it. Let it take root in your life. Give the Lord the opportunity to present some evidence in your life like he has in the lives of those around me and, and in my life. Um, so all that being said, we're going to jump right into Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 19 through 20. This is kind of our theme verse for this series. And it says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. 
that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. One thing I didn't mention in the first service is in verse 19, he says, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So guys, these choices that we're talking about, it's not just about us. These have generational impacts. So the Lord, he's saying, you have life, you have death, you have blessings, you have curses. Choose life. We would, we would make the same recommendation to any of our children that we love so, so much. So choosing life, how do we do that? Today we're talking about choosing life when we choose wisdom over worry. So according to a 2020 medical article that I found on Google, about 57 million Americans suffer from some sort of anxiety disorder. Um, you know, there, there's lots of different categories and subcategories, but when you lump it all together, in one way or another, 57 million people say, hey, I have a problem with worry and anxiety. I need something to help me get through it, whether that's medication, therapy. That's about one in six when you crunch the numbers. So... Um, guys, the, the amount of wear and tear that we put on ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally, it's incredible, especially considering a lot of these things haven't even happened yet. We're worrying about things that maybe one day will happen. Um, I heard a joke one day, and it, it kind of makes light of a, of a serious subject, but it says, don't tell me that worrying about my problems doesn't help things because everything I ever worry about never ends up happening. <laughs> so, you know, obviously the joke being that the act of worrying makes it go away, but guys, um, we lose a lot of sleep and energy and effort on what could be the Lord's work, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how the enemy uses worry to keep us off track. Matthew chapter 6 has this fantastic instruction from the Lord about how to handle worry. And it is lengthy, so, so hang with me because it's, it's as good as it is lengthy. Matthew 6, 25 says this, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Verse 27 could be a scripture in itself. Can all, a sermon in itself, it is a scripture. Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Obviously no. Verse 28 continues, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Is that not heavy, guys? I mean, we should, we should read that every day. Um, I mean, that's so good. It's so practical. It's so easy to understand. There's no translation needed here. Um, it's plain. It's simple. But what if we actually, actually lived by that? Could, I mean, could we imagine what our lives, what our society would look like? And now, the Bible here, it's not saying, you know, that we shouldn't be prepared, that you need to stick your head in the sand and pretend that nothing bad in your life is ever going to happen. Eventually, your car will break down, you know, your house may flood, you may lose your job at some point. You should put some money back, be responsible, have a plan. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you shouldn't wake up in the morning and the first thought going through your head is, you know, is today going to be the day I lose my job? Is this doctor appointment going to be the one where they finally tell me that I've got this or got that? We can't live like that. And it's important to point out here in, in verse 33 that we just read that like so many of the promises of the Bible, that are conditional, we have a part that we have to play in order to qualify for some of these promises in the Bible. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's an action. Live righteously. That's, that's another action. So there's two things we must do. And then the result, he will give you everything you need. So to be fair, to make sure there's no confusion, we don't just by waking up and having breath qualify for this. We have to meet the requirements. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will provide everything you need. And it's within that mindset, within that lifestyle, that we can truly begin to embrace and choose wisdom over worry. Please understand, if you're not putting God first, and if you're not, if you're not living righteously, if you're out there you know, doing whatever the heck you want Monday through Saturday, then coming in here on Sunday and saying, Lord, please take my worry. Hey, I'm not God, but I've not read anything in the Bible that says it works that way. So to qualify for this, these are the rules. And so assuming that you guys will follow the rules, this is what God will offer in return, a lifestyle free of worry and full of wisdom. So putting wisdom, choosing wisdom, it puts God first, and it puts our mind into this abundance mentality because it plugs us directly into the source of everything, God. If we need it, he's got one, you know? He's got it in his heavenly warehouse, and he'll, he'll ship it to you faster than Amazon will. So, but worry, worry does the opposite. Worry takes our... Our, our source off of God, it puts it on ourselves, and it creates this poverty mentality because man is the source rather than God. Worry is, you know, you, you, you hear a rumor that there may be some downsizing at work, and immediately, oh my gosh, I knew it. I knew it was me. I knew it was me. I shouldn't have sent that email. I knew the boss, this boss has never liked me. I've known it since day one. He's a, he's a short little guy. He doesn't like me because I'm tall. Um, 
I'm a Georgia fan. He's an Auburn fan. So after this weekend, he's definitely going to let me go. Sorry, Auburn fans. <laughs> I've probably only got like 10 to 42 days to find a job. Sorry again. <laughs> wisdom is realizing. Wisdom is realizing that job is not your source, guys. That job is just the avenue that your provision is flowing through at this point in time. God is your source. And be honest, you never really cared for that job anyways. You, you, were never, you never woke up excited, humming, skipping, singing on the way to work. But what we got to realize is, is the same God who made manna appear for the Israelites is the same God who who used ravens to deliver food for Elijah, is the same God who knows everything you need and is more than able, willing, and capable to provide it. All we got to do is seek God and live righteously. Seems like a pretty good deal. So, again, when we seek God's kingdom first, over our kingdom now, heaven, his kingdom first, and live in a way that pleases him, we can walk in peace knowing there will always be more than enough. Wisdom, again, connects us to the source of everything. The Bible says, uh, talking about Scripture, what Scripture says about wisdom and about worry, the Bible says that wisdom, it hears instruction, and it seeks wise counsel, and it's willing to learn. It doesn't think it has all the answers. Whereas worry, it isolates us, and it deceives us into thinking that we can do it on our own, that we need to do it on our own. Proverbs says this, chapter 1, verse 5, that a wise man will hear and will increase his learning, and a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsel. So what, what it's saying here is that a man that's already wise, he's going to continue to grow in wisdom. That's what wisdom does. It, it, it recognizes, I'm not there yet. You know, I need, I need more. I need more wisdom. Proverbs 12, 15, however, says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. When we're confronted with something that we've never been confronted with before, it's a new situation or circumstance, whether good or bad, worry, worry causes us to kind of pull back, to draw in thinking that we don't need any help or instruction, what would they think if I went and asked them for help? I would be embarrassed that I didn't know what to do. Worry sometimes has us so concerned about looking foolish that we actually end up acting foolish because we're so scared of asking for help. Wisdom, however, Proverbs just said it, wisdom seeks counsel, asks for instructions, and acknowledges that, hey, what got me here is not going to get me the rest of the way. So I need to learn and grow. We choose life when we allow wisdom to influence our decision-making. The Bible, it goes on and it says that wisdom fears God and it hates evil. But worry fears man. And it compromises our convictions. I want to read that one more time. The, the Bible says, wisdom fears God, worry fears man. Wisdom hates evil, worry compromises our convictions. So, 
Complete opposites here. Proverbs 9, 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, we're not afraid of God in the traditional sense, but we do fear God. We revere him. We honor him because we know that one day we're all going to stand before him and give an account on everything we said and did. Romans 14 says very clearly that it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Proverbs 8 goes on to say that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil and that pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. We talked about a few weeks ago there's things that the Lord loves and the Lord hates. You know, that was kind of an interesting concept to introduce. If the Lord loves, then he has to hate. If he loves righteousness, then he has to hate unrighteousness. If he loves mercy, he has to hate injustice. If he loves us, he has to hate the sin that um, is in our lives. And so wisdom hates what God hates and loves what God loves. Wisdom keeps us from evil because it gives us an eternal perspective. You know, that bad decision you made that wasn't really the right thing to do at work, hey, you, your boss may not know about it. He may never find out that... Uh, thing you borrowed from your neighbor with no intention of returning, hey, they may forget about it completely. Uh, there may be things that go on that your spouse never finds out about. There may be things that go on that Pastor Keith never finds out about, but the Lord knows. And ultimately, if we have our wisdom mentality, if we are focused on living righteously and building his kingdom, we will filter our decisions through this additional filter of not only is it the right thing to do, but is this something I really want to give an account for one day? Is this, is this worth it? Is this the right way that I'm spending my time to give God the most possible glory for all he's given me? Is this what I'm giving him in return? Do I really want to have to sit and explain this one day? <clears throat> Proverbs 29 says it like this, that the fear of a man brings a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Worry causes us to shift our mindset from an eternal focus to a temporary focus. We're afraid of what people might think, what they'll say, what they'll do, which becomes a snare. And we begin to become people pleasers instead of God pleasers. We end up compromising our convictions in order to get the promotion, the raise, to close the deal, to get the girl. Valuing the opinion of man over the opinion of God always ensnares us. So we choose life when we allow wisdom to govern our decision-making from an eternal perspective with the end in mind. And then lastly... Wisdom releases the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Whereas worry, it opens the door to the demonic, guys. And that's a big word, demonic. Oh my gosh, what does that mean? James chapter 3 has this fantastic 
explanation. For jealousy and selfishness are not of God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. I'm going to pause right there. Worry opens the door for the demonic influence in our lives. We become manipulative and controlling when we worry. We think, hey, what I have is not enough. I need to take some of yours. The truth is many people are bound by the enemy because they are controlled by worry. And worry begins to rule your thoughts and your life. And anxiety and depression begin to take control. And you become bound by a stronghold of the enemy. And this stronghold is no longer a natural problem, but a demonic stronghold that ruins your life. James continues in chapter 316, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. It's an open door, guys. It's like opening the floodgates. Just come on in. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant the seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Did that sound familiar at all when James was explaining the fruits of wisdom? Because that's, that's what it is. When, you, when something grows, it, it, whatever it puts out, that's, that's its fruit, right? The fruits of wisdom, again, love, joy. I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. The fruits of wisdom, mercy and good deeds, no favoritism, always sincere. Doesn't that sound a lot like the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Wisdom in our decision-making in our life, it's an open door to allow all the fruits of the Spirit right on in. Worry is the exact opposite. It's closing that door and opening another to allow jealousy, disorder, selfish ambition, and every kind of evil. Come on in, guys. Make yourself at home. And I don't think I need to explain or provide examples of what selfishness and jealousy look like. It's all around us. But God provides the example on wisdom and including wisdom in all of our decision-making. Wisdom empowers us to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we choose wisdom, we choose these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We choose these things. When we choose wisdom over worry, we choose life. And there's so much life left to live, guys. Regardless of your age, how young, how old, how mature or immature you may think yourself to be in your Christian walk, there's a lot of life left to live. And if you woke up this morning, which it looks like most of you guys did, God still has a plan for your life, and he still has a lot that he's going to require from you. He's equipped you to do everything he's going to ask you to do. 
All you got to do is pick it up, put it on, and walk in it. And one of the things he's asking us to do is to trust him. Has he ever given you a reason not to? Has he been better to you than you've been to him? Probably. I know he has been to me. I've made a lot of bad decisions, done a lot of stupid, stupid things that I knew when I was doing them that I shouldn't be doing it, but I I did it anyways. And he spared me from a lot of that. Now some of it, you know, still had to deal with. But he has, he's called us, guys. So regardless of where you are, whatever station in life, whatever stupid things you did yesterday, whatever dumb plans you have for this week, cancel them. Our daughter, Olivia, on the way to church this morning, she didn't know what I was talking about. Um, I, I had not gone over the message with her. But yesterday, she was at a, at a youth event all day. Um, and so this morning, she was sharing with us because she got home late last night. So uh, she was catching us up. And she gave this beautiful analogy that she received. Um, and I'm, I'm going I'm to try to not to screw it up. Um, this is the cross. On one side is your past and regret and depression for things you've done. On the other side is your worries about tomorrow and anxiety and what may come. But where God is calling us is to live right here where your feet are in today. Not to worry about the past, not to worry about the future. He can take care of both of those. All he's requiring from us is to be responsible with today, with the decisions that we're making now. Make the right decision going forward. Choose wisdom over worry. When that panic sets in, take a breather, count to 10, woosah, whatever you need to do to say, you know what? I'm not going to choose worry. I'm going to give the Lord an opportunity to show up in this situation and to show out. And when he does, There's going to be no other explanation because, you know, hey, my car don't crank. I don't know how to fix it, Lord. This one's on you, you know. Show me. We, uh, quick, quick story. We, we had a small group, um, out of, at a facility in, in Albertville and we got locked out of that small group. They failed to tell us, don't shut this door because there's not a key. Well, we, we figured it out. And after everybody had arrived and we're all sitting there looking at each other, my beautiful wife, she says, you know what, Lord, we believe you are more than able to open this door. Open this door. Half a second later, a door on the other side of the room opens up and in walks a lady with some keys. I mean... As just the Lord's showing out, guys, he's, I believe he does things like that. They're little faith-building exercises because he knows. He knows it's hard. He, he, you know, Jesus knows. I'm sure he tells them all the time, hey, listen, what they're going through, that's tough. You know, I went through the same thing. Being hungry, that's tough. You know, help them out, send them some food. But I believe God uses these little opportunities, these little inconveniences in our life, just as a, as a reminder that, hey, 
I'm still here. I'm still a good dad. No, I still want to provide. Just, just tell me what you need. Give me the opportunity. And all I ask in return is that you seek me. Seek me. Seek him. That you live righteously. And so we're going to do two things this morning. Um, one, we didn't talk much about salvation today, but if you've never made that decision, if you've never given your life to the Lord and you don't really know what it means maybe to pursue him and live righteously, today is a great day to find out. And it's, it's the most important decision that you will ever make. And it affects not just you, but generations to come and, and all of eternity. So in just a moment, we're going to have the music's going to play and and we'll have just a, a, a couple minutes if anyone wants to come and receive that. If we could have, just have a couple people on standby for prayer. But secondly, if you've been choosing worry over wisdom, today is a great day to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? No more. I'm not saying that you'll be perfect going forward. You may stumble and make a mistake. But actively, intentionally going forward, when life happens, and it will happen. I mean, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus when the storm came. I mean, they couldn't have been any closer to the Lord. So don't think that just because there's some storms in your life, maybe you're not where you're supposed to be. Life happens. Storms happen. The ship fills up. It capsizes. It happens. But give God the opportunity to show up, show out, by choosing wisdom and not choosing worry. And so we're just going to open up the altars for just a minute. If that's something you've been struggling with, anxiety, panic, worry, I want to invite you guys to come up. Because like what we talked about, what the Lord gave me at the beginning of this message, when you come here today, just like when you go to Home Depot, you expect to take home some home supplies. When you come here, you better expect to take home some liberty. Or at least you should. It's a shame if you go home with anything less because you're carrying things you weren't designed or intended to carry. So that being said, we're going to open up the altars for just a few minutes. Don't delay. Don't hesitate. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about the guy you rode with. This ain't about them. This is about you and the Lord. If you've got business to do, now's the time to do it. guys well don't forget about our baptism that we have going on at the pond uh, let's join them and come around them and celebrate that that's a, that's a beautiful thing and uh, this week that's your homework choose wisdom over worry let's pray
God, you're so good. You've given us so much. So all we have in return to offer is ourselves, Lord. We want to do that this week. So help us, help us to take your word, what we shared today. Let it take root, God, in our lives, in our minds, and in our hearts. So this week when we go out, we look a little bit more like you and a little bit less like ourselves, Lord. Help us impact this world for you, to be light in the darkness, to be your hands and feet. We love you, and we're so thankful for all that you've done. Amen. All right, guys, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you, see you next week.